I'm here with Grammy Award winning R&B pop singer, songwriter, Howard Heward. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing, man? Thank you uh, so much for uh, taking the time. I really appreciate it. Um, you're from Akron, Ohio, where they recently renamed Cadillac Boulevard Howard Hewitt Jr. Way a few days ago on October 2nd. October 2nd. Yep, definitely. It, it, we had a great time. It, it, and my birthday was the day before. And this first time I <clears throat> I spent my birthday in, in Akron at uh, my hometown in like years. So, you know, and then the next day was a commemoration of uh, uh, the uh, Cadillac Boulevard, which is the street that I grew up on. And uh, the, the, it'll be along with Cadillac Boulevard. I didn't want them to take the Cadillac Boulevard off because I always thought, even when I was a kid, I always thought how cool it was that we lived on Cadillac Boulevard, you know. So it's Howard Hewitt Jr. honoring my dad, you know, in uh way. So it's like, you know, it, it was it was a it was a big deal. And a lot of times, you know, you got, you have stuff that's going on, you know, that leads up to that. Cause we started talking about, we started talking about it, um, um, before, before COVID and then COVID shut everything down. So, of course. So, um, so like, you know, to really, you know, uh, it to come to fruition, man, it was, it was amazing. It was really, really amazing. That's a huge honor. Uh, growing up, did you ever imagine that something like that would happen? Oh, no. Growing up, you never imagined somebody, they're going to, you know, rename, put your name on a, on a, on a street in your hometown forever. But it's a program also that, um, that I, I, I talked to the mayor and it's a program that they're going to continue because we've had a lot of, a whole lot of talent that came out of, uh, out of Akron, Ohio including my mom, my mom, uh, Charlena Hewitt Brown. She, she, uh, remarried and, and, uh, her last name was Brown. She's, she's done a lot through, uh, a lot, uh, for the community throughout the years. You know, she's, she's like, she's passed, passed on now. She passed away in 92, but you know, she would be, she would be a candidate also that I would submit to the, uh, the city, the the uh, city board, you know, to consider as well. <clears throat> wow, that's incredible! So you pretty much came from a, a musical family because I know you started singing professionally at ten with your sisters. At ten years old, yeah. Uh, the the family, I mean, the the my mom, she had a radio broadcast. You know, she was also a major um, um, gospel promoter in the Akron, Cleveland, Canton area. She brought in people like, you know, James Cleveland, um, Albertina Walker and the Caravans when Shirley Caesar was with them. Um, you know, Five Blind Boys of Alabama, Pilgrim Jubilees, Violinetta, all these, all these gospel great fight, Mighty Clouds of Joy, all that kind of stuff, you know, and, and um, so like, you know, of course, when we put, when she put, because my mom put the, the group together, my mom and my dad, and um, once they put the group together and once we were in shape enough to perform, of course, nepotism was alive and well in our family, you know what I'm saying? So whatever my mom would bring in, we would, of course, open the show for them. You know, we opened up the show. And so, you know, it, we, we opened up shows at that time as far as like in the Akron, Cleveland, Canton area for all those groups that I, I said previously and more. And uh, then we started like kind of going on a, in the summertime, we would go, when we get out of school, we, we hit like the, 
that gospel chitlin circuit, you know what I'm saying? And up and down the East Coast, Midwest, up through parts of Canada on that side of the country. So, you know, we had we had a great time. It was that's but my mom couldn't, I mean my mom or my dad, they couldn't they couldn't carry a note in a bucket, man. And 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 it was like it was funny on my mom's radio broadcast. She had a she had a um uh broadcast every Sunday morning, like about seven o'clock in the morning, you know, have church announcements, gospel music, all that kind of stuff. And um she was number one in her slot for 30, 40 years or so. But um, but they used to call her the way that they introduced her on the show. It says, now, nah, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the lady with the golden voice. That's what they used to call my mom, the lady with the golden voice, because she'd come on and, you know, just talking and smooth and the whole thing. And, and um, you know, it was, it was just, it was amazing. It was amazing. It sounds amazing. Did you know, like, you know, um, at that young of age that you would uh, pursue a career in music? Were you thinking about, like, doing other things or were you going to, you were, like, set on music? I, I, music was, was what I knew, you know what I'm saying? So I I kept, you know, kind of spounding, uh, you know, moving towards that, even subconsciously. And I played a little, you know, peewee, Pop Warner football, something like that when I was, like, 10 or 11 or so but it was like the you know it, the music was what what called me that was my passion I, I found my purpose you know early in life without even knowing that I found my purpose you dig so it's like you know it, it was it was this people people say well what would you have done did you ever think about what you would do if you didn't do music I don't know I, I really don't know you know so but um, this is what, you know, uh, the Lord blessed me with. And, 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 you know, and that's what I, this is where I keep on going, where I keep going. And so um, by 1976, you're, uh, I guess, like 21 years old at the time, and you moved to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess you went there with the intent of uh, pursuing a career in music? I went there, I went there to get away from the snow. For one thing, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, I was like 20. I was 20 years old. And um, yeah, I touched down to LAX, man. My cousin picked me up at the airport, you know, when I came in and I touched down to LAX. I had like $34 in my pocket, man. That was it. And I'm 20 years old, just like, you know, but I had a ball. It was, it was <laughs> like, it. I had no responsibilities, no wife, no kids, nothing. It was just me. So you know, I was like, no, I'm going, I'm, I'm hitting, I'm getting it. You know, a couple little snags came in the, in, for a couple of days leading up to me, you know, splitting, but you know, it, it all, it all came, it all boiled down to, to real, to, to be very cool because then it was like the support of, of, of my family. Yeah. I was going to sneak out. I was going to sneak out of Akron. <laughs> so, you know, but, um, but with that, um, I had time to, you know, those couple of days gave me time to really get my mom and my dad's blessing on, on the, on the trip, even though they, even though they didn't give me any money to go with me, <laughs> <laughs> but that you had the blessing. I had the blessing. So that was cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you took a leap of faith, you know, and it, it definitely paid off and, um, you know, you basically start, you know, networking and, you know, uh, you end up at this place called Maverick Flats in Crenshaw. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's where like a lot of like, you know, things just start falling in place, meeting the right people, 
you know, and, and allowing you to have like, you know, uh, and establish a career in music is that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mavericks was more like a, a a home, home away from home type of thing. You know, I, um, when I first got there, I, I think I went down to Mavericks about two or three weeks, if, I'm, if I remember right, after I had gotten there. You know, a friend of mine, this cat, T. Tucker, was playing bass for one of the groups that were formed, you know, down at Mavericks. And he invited me and my cousin to come down and check out the rehearsal. And they were, they were rehearsing to, to um, that he was with his group, rehearsing with his group called The Love Machine. And they were like seven, I mean, beautiful women, beautiful, just you know, um, Kathleen Bradley, uh, uh, she was Miss, I guess, Miss Parker and Friday or something like that, that lived across the street, you know, with the shorty shorts, that's Kathleen Bradley. She was in there, but even even since then, she was the first black model on The Price is Right, you know? So she would, back in the day, that's, that's what she was, her and, and six other, six other uh, women that they did top 40 stuff, dance and sang and just, you know, beautiful what they had gone all around the world you know so you know that night they were they were um auditioning for tom jones to to um to uh, for him to consider them opening up for him and so like you know we went down my cousin and i went down to rehearsal and then that's when i met john daniels you know and um and we he expressed the situation that he wanted to put together a group uh 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 top 40 show group, you know, really classy, the whole thing. Uh, the singers would include two males and three females is what he envisioned. And um, he wanted to call it Beverly Hills. You know what I'm saying? So we started rehearsing, putting the people, putting people together and hiring, firing p- people. And uh, after about a year, I guess it was about a year, I got to get my timelines right. But uh after after about a, about a year we were ready to tour and um our first gig was over in Helsinki Finland you know right. and area hotel I remember man I was like had to go into had to fly into Heathrow into London and stay in London for about two or three days before we could go and move on into um Helsinki so that's the first time that was in um that was in 77. So it was about a year. Yeah, it was about a year after, a little more than a year after, uh, after I got in there, you know. What was it uh, like culturally in London? Because you, you hear like a lot of different like artists, like, you know, particularly of color say like, you know, they felt like they were more received overseas, particularly like I know, like in the 70s and stuff, there was, there was still a little bit of like, you know, uh, racism in certain places, you know, yeah. uh, like you would you say it was a difference culturally? Well, you know, for black music uh, over in uh, uh, the UK, throughout the UK, black music is like, you know, huge. I remember going there, like I said, in 77 and um, went down to a place called Piccadilly Circus. That's where all the clubs and all the uh, music things and and, uh, um, restaurants and the movie theaters and all that stuff was down there. So you go down there and the first, I think it was the first night I had gotten to uh, um, uh, to London, the first or second night. So I went down there and there was this Elizabethan theater, you know, and across the front of the theater was a banner that said soul music, you know, and that was it, soul music. They were playing records inside of there. And 
that place people people were wrapped around the block you know to go there and and it was it was mainly uh white people white people were like you know there's a famous um there's a famous MTV interview with uh, David Bowie and one of the cats uh, in early guys in uh, MTV. And it's, it's famous because David Bowie said he, they were interviewing him and uh, the guy said, well, you can ask, ask any question. And, and so David says, well, is it true that, you know, uh, you guys don't play black music on MTV on this channel? And uh, the guy started, because uh, uh, he says, he said, the dude says, like, you know, choose, you know, you can ask me anything, because he had finished all his questions and stuff for David Bowie. And so that was the first question David Bowie asked, and the cat was like, uh, uh, well, uh, uh, well, you know, our format and blah, blah, blah. And then David Bowie says, but it just, it just, uh, it just intrigues me that you guys call yourself a music entity and you don't play black music and the guy was just like taken aback man and 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 it was true at that time at that time especially they didn't play any black music so uh i think uh billy jean and dead giveaway you know shalomar dead giveaway were the first were the first couple uh black videos that they started playing on mtv back in the day wow yeah and like you know um by 1978, you get the call to uh, join Shalimar. You took over for uh, Gerald Brown, you know, um, and you're in Shalimar with Jody Wiley and Jeffrey Daniel, and you guys are recording songs, you know, such as uh, Second Time Around, Make That Move, A Night to Remember, Dancing mm -hmm. in the Sheets, you know, uh, this is uh, For the Lover and You. Mm -hmm. And then um, Wiley and Daniels uh, separately leave the band. Mm -hmm. You know, what was your feelings about that, their departure? It, it was like, uh, <laughs> are you serious right now? Because it was almost like it was almost like um, you you play a football player. He's, he's played Pee Wee, Pop Warner, uh, high school football into college. Then he made the show. You know, he made the NFL. And he's in the NFL, and they they work hard during the season. There in the there in the playoffs, they you know, do that championship, boom, you know, then you go to the, to the, to the big show, to the, to the Super Bowl, and, and you got a few seconds left, and, and you're getting, and you got the ball, and you're running down the field, and you're getting ready to make the winning touchdown, and you get to the one-yard line, and stop, and throw the ball down, and say, I don't want to play no more, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> so that was kind of how it felt, I mean, everybody had their reasons, but, you know, and, and I had to respect that. And I, I still totally respect that today because uh, everybody has different um, agendas as, as they're growing up, especially as they're maturing as, as, as young people. And we were really young. We were like, you know, at the time when all that was going on, I was like 25, 24, 25, somewhere around there. And, uh, um, and so like, you know, at that time I said, I said to uh, Dick Griffey, I said, who owned the cat that owned uh, Solar Records? I said, well, you know, Jeffrey and Jolie split. You know, maybe I, this is a good time for me to just do my solo trip, right? Well, you know, you still got you know two and a half, three years left on this contract, so you can either spend that time doing nothing, ride the contract out, you know, or you could, uh, um, you know, um, 
fight it in court, go to court, fight it, try and get it, you know, get out of the contract. Or you could go overseas the way Jeffrey and Jody went overseas and, and all that kind of stuff. Or you can do another Shalimar project, you know, what you want to do. So, like, I definitely wasn't going going to sit around, you know what I'm saying, for two and a half, three years. And uh, I don't like court, you know, courts like, you know, like going to Vegas and throwing throwing dice, you know what I'm saying? And um, I wasn't going overseas. My roots and my family is, is over here. So, and my fan base is over here. So, uh, based uh, for um, for that at that time, from what I could understand, and um, and so like you know, uh, I said okay. We made another deal, and and I went in and uh, and did another uh, uh, the last Shalimar project, the Heartbreak album. And uh, went on the road. That's when I brought Mickey Free in, and we brought you know Delisa Davis in. And man, Mickey, that's my boy. That's my boy. That's 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 my dog, man. He's like, you know, we we had so much fun, you know, during that two and a half, three years, man. It was crazy. He he helped me get through that thing, man. You know, had me had me laughing and and just just you know. So it was a good it was a good thing uh, that two and a half years, two and a half three years. And, you know, got some good stuff on the Heartbreak album. Nothing that just made a whole bunch of noise, but it was all good. Yeah, that was a great lineup change. And I was I was watching, like, you know, the um, interview I think you have on your YouTube channel with Mickey Free. And you can see, like, the chemistry that you guys are, like, you know, brothers. And, you know, uh, really, like, you know, like, have a, a strong connection, you know. And uh, I think that was a great lineup change. And mm -hmm. you guys, like, you know what I mean, ended up winning the Grammy. Mm -hmm. uh, don't get stopped in Beverly Hills and you had like, you know, a top 20 hit. Uh, was it pressure to prove you could succeed without the original lineup? You know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you know, a lot of people ask that question. And honestly, as I sit back and, and, and look at, and look at it, see, I'm, I'm almost to a fault. You know, I'm good, really, really good at compartmentalizing. You dig what I'm saying? I've seen, I've seen people with the simplest lives try to live it all at one time and it's just disastrous. So at an early age, I think I learned how to compartmentalize. I didn't know what it was called at that time, but when I started getting older and, 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 and researching and reading about it, it's called compartmentalizing where you take, you got a thing here, what's happening, and you take it, boom, you put it up in this compartment, close it up, lock it up, and then you're on to the next thing. So, you know, I don't, I don't really like to think of things as pressure, you know what I'm saying? Because it's just life. It's just things that you go through. It's life in this, and life is full of changes. So you put, I got a whole bunch of compartments up there, man. Each of my ex-wives had their own compartments, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and Salomar has this compartment. You know, uh, uh, my my uh, kids, they each of them have their own compartment, you know what I'm saying? And and like, you know, and it's and it's I, I manage it well that way. And um, as far as pressure is concerned, my when I go in the studio, anytime I go in the studio, it's about putting forth your best foot, you know, putting forth your best thing. I'm not trying to outdo the whatever or whatever. I'm not trying to compete about uh, against myself. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. You know, it's All just right. about, you know, it's just about, you know, uh, going in there and doing your best, you know, and, and like coming out with a piece of product that you can be proud of, you know what I'm saying? So that's, 
has been my uh, mantra, so to speak, or my my mindset ever since I really started recording. You know, it's just going and just do the best that you can. Man, it's such a positive attitude. Like, you know, you seem to have a, a great mantra on life. You, mm. you eventually go solo. And uh, in 1985, before signing your solo deal with Electra Records, you're arrested and indicted in Miami with your fiance uh, mm. for possession with an intent to distri distribute cocaine. Uh, mm. You eventually beat the charges, but you were facing some serious time before the trial. And you mm -hmm. release your solo album, uh, I Commit to Love, it goes platinum. Mm -hmm. You know, what was like, you know, all the drama around that situation and yeah, all that's, time now. That's the whole thing, man. When you listen to the I Commit to Love album, you gotta, you have to realize that, you know, praise the Lord, you know, that's why I talk about pressure as far as no pressure. Now, nah, I had to put, I had to put that what, what I call actually, I call it my misunderstanding with the U.S. government. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, I had to put that at the time in its compartment because we we were postponing and 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 dragging trial time out, you know, until I could finish my my record. You know what I'm saying? So when you listen to the I Commit to Love album, you have to realize that I I did that album, you know, with all that stuff hanging up over my head. And, and, um, and like, you know, thank God, man, the, the Lord is amazing. He's good all the time, all the time. He's good. And, and, um, you know, it was, it wasn't really until I totally released that whole thing. Cause once I finished the, the record, once I finished the album, then I had to, my attorney and I, we had to, we were, had to get ready for this trial. We had a few, a month or so, a couple months, I can't remember to get ready for this trial. And the trial was a four-day situation, you know, in front of a jury, 12 people, you know, the whole thing. And it was like, okay, because basically what, what this was about was guilt by association. Right. And also they were trying to get a, get a uh, conspiracy jacket on me. And so, like, you know, it was like conspiracy is such a bogus situation. If you and I are hanging out, you know, and they've been following me and 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 uh, investigating me for like three or four months, and then you and I decide, okay, hey man, let's hook up, let's 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 uh, connect, go to a movie, you know what I'm saying? Go hang out, and then I get I get busted when you're with me, then all the evidence that they had they compiled on me, they can use it on you if they right, can get right. conspiracy situation. So that's where that whole thing was, and and it wasn't until about the second. About the second day of the trial, man, it was like you're talking about something serious because the law has a lot of loopholes and, and stuff. And like, you know, you're saying, wait, what? You know, and, and, and it's kind of crazy. And so, you know, about maybe the second day, third day into the trial and where I was staying, the house that I was staying in, they had an atrium outside, out, a screened in, you know, uh, atrium type bunch of plants and stuff. And real tropical, beautiful. I love, I love the, the weather at certain times down in Florida. And so like, I took my Bible that night, man, and I couldn't sleep. We had to get trial the next day. And I took my Bible and I went into that atrium and I put my Bible on the floor and I stood on my Bible and I said, Lord, I am literally standing on your word. I said, there's a whole bunch of people that are in prison for something they didn't do. 
And why should I be any different? You know, so I'm giving this up to you, standing on your word. Giving. And then, you know, went through the trial and then uh, got to the whole situation when they turned it over to the jury. The jury went out for about a, uh, an hour and a half and an hour that was lunch, you know, so they deliberate, deliberated about 30, 40 minutes, came back straight not guilty. So, which was, you know, the right, the right uh, um, uh, verdict anyway. So all these young cats talking about they have a case, man. I had a case a long time ago, brother. I had a case a long time ago. <laughs> and yeah, you were facing some serious time. I'm glad you uh, you beat those charges, you know, and stuff. I know like, uh, you know, uh, I hate court too, you know, and stuff and everything. Nobody wants to, I don't, I don't want to deal with the legal system. I just, you know, mm -hmm. keep me out of that. <laughs> Don't get caught up in that because you can get caught up in that whole situation. And like, and if you don't have the right type of uh, um, uh, legal people, you know, dealing with, unfortunately, a lot of us don't have the right, the money for the right type of legal situation, uh, you know, then you could get caught up in some crazy stuff. I mean, that thing was like, that thing cost, cost me a lot of money, man, you know, but, you know, praise the Lord, the truth prevailed and, and, um, and like, you know, I, I, um, I went, I got, you know, the Lord uh, got me through that, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a, a cheap situation. And I think that was probably one of the few times in my life where I really felt stressful, a stress situation. And so like, it was really important, you know, to uh, get through that and get back on the path that I, I needed to get onto. Most definitely. Did it feel good? Like, you know, uh, like releasing your album and like, you know, it being a success. Uh, it, it, that felt amazing. Uh, what even felt more amazing was the confidence and everything that everybody put in, in me, even going through that whole Miami experience. Uh, my record company stood behind me, the friends that I had, they stood beside me. Um, um, and you know, that was even, and then on top of that, you know, praise the Lord, you know, release a success, a successful project. And, um, you know, so I thank God every day for that every day, man, such a blessing. And, uh, I see, uh, like, you know, uh, from, uh, like your YouTube channel, you were talking about like how you, or no, it was a past interview you did where you were talking about how you built a studio in Las Vegas recently and like you were recording there and I wanted to know like you know uh is there going to be any new music in the future from you got plans to release um oh yeah there, there's a we're in a couple weeks in the uh actually in a couple weeks two or three weeks I'm going to release um we're going to release a, a tune that I wrote actually 30 years ago and uh did a flip on it you know with some cats out of Houston and uh unfortunately the lyrics of this song still apply even as as uh, uh prominent today as they did back then unfortunately because we that that means we have not progressed where we're supposed to progress and um <clears throat> so we're going to release that and then there's a bunch of other stuff that i've done stuff that i've done with my son you know christopher and uh <clears throat> he produced a couple of things and um three or four songs from this like i said these cats out of houston uh bunch of stuff we're getting i'm just i'm just dropping singles you know it's about singles now you know it's like you know you you, you i'll drop a few singles three or four or five singles and stuff and then put like 
<clears throat> maybe an EP or a short album uh, of those singles together, you know? So there's a lot of stuff. And, and the studio is we, we bought a house. I bought this house and uh, my son is, is making it into, you know, uh, like a production house. And, you know, so I'll go when I get serious. Cause I, I don't think I could live in Vegas. I'm not a big Vegas <laughs> fan, but you know, but I can go there and hang out and, right. you know, and record work a little bit and stuff. So it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Vegas, like, you know, I've, I've spent some time there and stuff. Everything is too, too hot. 115 too degrees some days. <laughs> oh man. Too hot, too close to stuff. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's, you know, but it's a good place to have a piece of property, you know, right. at this time. so, you know, that's, that'll be a, that'll be a plus as far as that's, as far as that goes. Uh, you're heading the Milwaukee Urban League annual fundraiser next month. Uh, it's exciting to be performing live, especially after, you know, the COVID restrictions throughout the U.S. and most places last year. Mm, yeah, I'm excited about performing all the time now. You know, it's like uh, I started I started back working, um, I think it was um, May, April or May, or, you know, started. But then once every, everything, you know, started kind of opening up, my – my my schedule came back with a vengeance, man. It's it's you know October is crazy, November is crazy, you know, and um, uh, December starts kind of calming down a little bit, but there's they still want me to go over to uh, so we're we're still putting that that trip together as far as, and and watching their numbers. I want to see their numbers come down a little bit more, because um I'm gonna get there's you know now it's still. It's still a situation where you don't, there's no, no meet and greets, although some people slide them in as in some kind of way, some kind of situation, but, um, um, uh, I'm, I'm double vaccinated and also had a, had a little round with it when I was in, uh, when I was just in, in, in England, you know, and so I had to quarantine in London for about 10 days. So, you know, I didn't, I, I had, I had mild symptoms, didn't have any, you know, um, any um, uh, severe symptoms and stuff. So, but all, all the same, it still gave me extra antibodies, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm still looking at the um, going to get the booster. Cause I'd, I'd be, I'd be eligible. I'd be eligible for the booster, but I'm just checking stuff out. So I'm I'm excited about you know performing everywhere now everywhere we can. <laughs> Most know. definitely, man. Uh, I hope like you know you come to uh, my area. Like I I really appreciate like you taking the time, definitely. and um you know like I listen to your music and stuff and everything. I'm gonna hopefully make some more kids in the future to your music. You know so <laughs> you know man definitely. Some of the stuff I'm doing you can definitely it it definitely is conducive to that whole situation. So, <laughs> Most definitely, but, man. But check it out, man. It's just like you know, it's all about social media now and stuff. So, you know, just to let your people know I, I hang out a lot on uh on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Howard Hewitt fan page. So it's my Facebook fan page and uh the Twitter account is just the vocalist J U S T a v o c a l i s t <laughs> just a vocalist and then instagram is howard underscore hewitt h-e-w-e-t-t -T, not i-t-t -T. they've been trying to get me to spell it <laughs> i-t-t -T since kindergarten but i'm holding out it's h-e-w-e-t-t -T, so yeah. most definitely i'll tag you man and uh i appreciate you for taking the time appreciate you having me man god most bless definitely. you
God bless right. you.